Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. and welcome back to this episode of Females on Fire. We have an incredible guest with us today. We have Amber Anderson and she is over the Refine Group for Wedding Planners. So all of our wedding planners listening, I'm sure you know her. I'm sure you love her and we're really excited to have her on today to talk about boundaries. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're very, very excited to have you. So start off by telling us a little bit about you, who you are, how you got to where you are, and definitely how you got into the wedding industry. Yeah, sure. Um, Like so many, it was by complete accident, actually. So um, I actually have an exercise science degree, and I graduated during, uh, you know, that big old recession 10, 12, 15 years ago, and uh personal trainer. I was a personal trainer right out of college. And that was just a really rough book to fill when no one had money. No one was paying for trainers. So I got the nearest desk job at um, Deloitte and Touche. And I, I was an admin there. I have, I, have no, I have no business being in finance or anything like that. But I, you know, I just took an admin role and um, kept my head down and survived seven rounds of layoffs. And um, I decided I didn't want to sit at a desk, but I mean, beggars can't be choosers in a, an economy like that, of course. So as I kept my head down, I just maneuvered my way into the event side of, of that corporation. And so I started doing corporate events and it just allowed me to move about through my day. I didn't have to sit all day. And that was just a nice change of pace. So that kind of started my, um, I got my foot into the events for the first time. And, um, then I met my husband and we were in Dallas at the time and we moved to Austin for, um, some job opportunities and both of our families are here. It was really a very easy and seamless move for us. It made sense in in all regards. So I came to Austin and, um, we, we got, we were engaged at the time. So we got married here and, my wedding was such a cluster, y'all. I, um, you know, made the mistake, uh, the classic mistake of I'm a, I'm an event planner. I can do this myself. And so I hired, um, you know, kind of a joke of a coordinator to tie it all together. And, um, kind of at the last minute, you know, my family was all begging me to just let go of it. And, um, the person I hired just didn't know what she was doing. And, um, I walked away from that experience thinking, gosh, no one should ever experience that. I can do that better. And not in a like arrogant way, but just in a, just, I was heartbroken and just, um, people shouldn't experience that. And so, 
you know, I went about my, I, I continued in corporate events for a little while, but that was just in the back of my mind. And we had a family friend that opened up a wedding venue and he asked me to come consult with him and do, um, just help him understand events and whatnot. And through that relationship, um, I'll spare you all the details. I ended up starting a wedding planning company and, um, I was very transparent about, Hey, I'm new. And, um, I, I tried to do all of that the right way as far as entering the industry and not undercutting, undercutting, but just being honest with potential clients about, you know, my place in the market. And, um, that venue ended up having, um, some issues with a neighbor It's a ranch venue. And another long story short, we had to rehome 16 clients that year. And, um, in my first year of business, I got to know the industry real well through rehoming 16 clients. So my company just took off. I really had intended for it to be more of a hobby. We wanted to start having children and I wanted to stay home. And, um, but my career just took off and um, hasn't slowed down since. And I've discovered that I really enjoy it. And so I started that company, Heavenly Day Events, um, in 2010, and um, in 2015, I sought some business coaching. I was kind of at that fork in the road of, this is going really well, but I feel like I'm just always hanging by a thread, you know, like, um, I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop, like, how have big mistakes not happened yet. You know, we're all just kind of stretched thin. We had a team. Um, and it, we were just, I, it's pure luck that nothing ever went wrong because things should have gone wrong. Right. We didn't have the right systems and, and, um, and whatnot in place. And we all were doing things in a general way, but like, I just had never sat down to put it all on paper and uh, I never had time. And so I made that a priority and I got some business coaching. And, um, that was through Allison, the original owner of refine and it was a game changer. It just completely, it, it just calmed the storm. I was able to stop feeling so frantic in my business. I learned about, um, you know, the right kind of clients and who to accept and how to turn down the ones that aren't the right fit. And, um, how to better manage my team because I'm not a micromanager and I just want to trust that everyone's doing their job, but that doesn't, that's not a good, that's not, <laughs> there's no perfect science to that. So I needed a system and she really helped me implement that. I used her um, templates and I, um, but I did also have one-on-one -on -one coaching with her and it was just amazing to see the difference. And, um, I was able to start dialing down because I could raise my prices and, through coaching with her, I've, I have, I've doubled my prices and I've cut my workload in half. In fact, um, at this point I've even further dialed down and in, um, the following 12 months, I only have four weddings and I'm still making the same amount of money that I had been making in doing 20 to 30 events a year. And so it's, it's been mind blowing to me that that could be possible. And I'm so so grateful that I took that. It was a $1,500 investment and here I am making so much more than that. And, um, I earlier this year, um, uh, Allison was 
retiring from the industry and um, looking to sell refine and having been a member of the community for a while I um, I was interested and so I acquired refine at the beginning of the year and of course as soon as I did that my house flooded and so I've been remodeling a house and trying to um, to run and uh, take refine um, in you know I just like to give everything my best and it's been a kind of a, a crazy year. And so with all of that, and so boundaries, something that we'll talk about is something that has really kept my head afloat and has kept me from not feeling stressed. Like I, um, I'm running two businesses. I have two children under the age of four and I, um, have completely gutted and remodeled my house this year. And, um, it's also been the best year of my marriage. And I don't know how any of that would be possible without, um, healthy boundaries. So that kind of catches us up to uh, where we are current Amber, but um, that's how I got here. And I'm excited to be in a world of, um, of wedding planners where I can share my story and, and show them that they too can have this sense of freedom. That's awesome. I love it. And it's interesting that you say that just about the, how it's just been a crazy year and stuff. Cause we actually bought a business at the beginning of the year too. And mm-hmm. ever since we bought it, it's just been like a madhouse all year. Right. Yeah. And we're like, how did we survive this uh-huh. year? <laughs> so yeah. it, it must be something in the water this year. So. Oh, 2018 but, uh, was, I think a lot of people are ready for, you know, the year and <laughs> they are already moved forward. But, um, you know, that's when, that's when really neat things come out of, uh, you know, really neat things can really rise from, from chaos. I think. I agree. So. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think somebody said this once and I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody told me, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn and everything's going uh-huh. to go wrong right before everything goes right. Yeah. So that's always what I'm telling myself. I'm like, okay, everything's going wrong. So something good. Must <laughs> it's be coming. It's coming. coming. Yeah. It's well, about to happen. <laughs> The beautiful thing about being in my mid thirties at this point is that I've had a few cycles of that. And so I actually believe it now, if that makes sense, you know, right. it was easy for my mom to tell me when I was 18 and life was, you know, woe is me. I have pimples and whatever, but like, you know, little people, little problems, big people, big problems. And the problems now they really are big and they have financial implications. And, but I can go through them now and be like, you know what? I, I, I got through it in my, at 18, I got through it at 24. I got through it at 28 and like, I'm going to do it now. And so I just really cling to that hope now when I'm kind of in that dark storm of knowing it, I can do this. So yeah. Right. I love that. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. Cause I know there's so much we could talk about with boundaries, but let's <laughs> start with, you know, the most basic things. So when we talk about boundaries, what are we talking about? What does that mean to set boundaries with your clients? And maybe can you give some examples of that? Yeah, totally. So I think some of um, the most common examples that, you know, we hear um, most regularly are things like having office hours and and not responding to texts at 10 p.m. and and things of that nature. Um, The whole idea being that we are humans and we have families or we have involvements that are important to us outside of work. And so making sure that our clients understand that and respect that is, um, that's the whole idea of boundaries. And, um, and so, yeah, we use examples when we're, we're educating on this about 
when to email and um, how to set expectations and make sure that your process is clear up front and, and things of that nature. But something that I feel like is really lacking in this conversation is just the idea of um, giving ourselves permission to do what we know we need to do. We all know we need to have boundaries, right? We all, in a sense, have an idea of what those boundaries even should be. But it takes having that confidence and that backbone and just the idea of, yeah, just the idea of giving ourselves permission is where I see it, the gap. And um, I just want to just reach through my computer screen at all times and just hug people and say, no, you can do, you can do this. Like give yourself permission. And, and what I mean by that is that as planners, we're and, and, and in the service industry in general, because I, I, you know, not all of your audience is wedding planners, but specifically speaking to wedding planners, um, we're problem solvers and it really grates at us when we can fix something and it's easy for us to fix it. But to do that might mean it takes time away from my family or my friends. And so at some point, the client just has to do it. And, and that, that can be really hard for us because we're helpers, we're kind typically. And so um, what I like to tell my, my planning clients is that when you say no to one thing, you're actually saying yes to another. You're actually being kind um, in that regard. And, and, and maybe you don't say the word no, that's negative language. We can talk about that later, but we'll get into that. But I just want everyone to really understand that when you're, when you say no to a particular, particular layout from a, a client request that you know will counteract with their original vision of, you know, because it's going to create congestion or, or whatever it may do, um, you're actually being really kind to them and you're saying no, you're protecting their original vision. You're saying yes to, to what you know that they really want. And so um, it can be really hard to, to do that because we feel, we feel uh, mean or not helpful. And um, it, it can be hard to say no to a, a Saturday meeting request. But in the end, when we have our work-life balance, we're actually better at serving those clients. We, we feel refreshed and rejuvenated as opposed to worn out and beat down. So it really is a loving response. And, and I don't think that that always clicks um, when we talk about boundaries. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, they may not like it at first, but we're doing it, you know, it, with their best interest in mind. So how do you explain that to your clients? You know, how do you yeah. know that you've got to have work-life balance in order to do the best work for them. So there are some direct and indirect ways. I start in the most indirect ways through just brand messaging. So in my Instagram captions, for example, we talk about work-life balance and we talk about, um, you know, if a client does something particularly gracious towards us by respecting, maybe not particularly gracious, but if a client respects our boundaries in a sense, or our, our, you know, work-life balance, I post about it. And I say, I, I, I thank them publicly. Um, or I, you know, if I post a picture of, of a client when I get their images back, um, I mention things that I enjoy about them and, and why I liked working with them. And it often includes some sort of boundary that I have. And then I may post, I just, I'm just really intentional about my captions with Instagram and social media in general. I... Um, have been pretty bad about blogging this last year with everything that's on my plate because 
back to boundaries. We have to, not everything can be a hundred percent at all times. And I have, you know, eight years of content. So I feel okay about that this year, but my blogs talk about boundaries a lot. Um, they talk about, um, our expectations and I'm pretty snarky and sassy in my blogs and, and that's not for everybody, but that also is, um, a really good vetting tone for my business to have because I attract the clients that are okay with that. And so that leads me to direct conversation. They've already expected some sort of, they're expecting that out of me based on my tone online. And so I'm able to say in my inquiry calls my, with my potential clients, this is how we work. This is our process. This is, we don't accept Saturday meetings because on your, on your wedding day, I'm not going to, I'm not going to meet with another potential client and miss a vendor call when for your wedding, when they might need something for you. I'm just not going to do that. And then on the, on the Saturdays, I'm not working a wedding. It's important to me that, um, I get to, I, I get to spend time with my family and friends so that I am refreshed for you and I'm a better planner for you. So they totally, my, my, my ideal clients totally get that and understand that, but it's taken a lot of, um, brand message work to get there. But I think part of it just comes down to just doing it. The whole Nike slogan, just do it. And, and that can, that takes practice. And, um, I, I'll go into that in a little bit more at some point too. Just the idea of just doing it and having the confidence and the backbone to just yeah, just do it. I think too, that just all goes back to kind of what you said about giving ourselves permission, because I feel like, especially if you're starting out and especially in the wedding industry, I feel like a lot of people just always have the feeling that they have to take whatever clients they can yeah. get yeah. instead of the clients that are, you know, best suited for them. And yeah. you know, I was guilty of that. When I started, I was just taking everything that walked through the door. So I feel like you know, what you said earlier about just giving ourselves permission to say no and know that it means yes to something else and know that that really is in the best interest of your client and yeah. know that maybe that's not for everybody, but it's going to work out and give you the best clients in the end. I yeah. think that all ties together. Totally. And, and like you said, there, there are beginning stages where sometimes we just have to do what we have to do to get to even know what our ideal client is take everybody on and then at the end of the year assess and know what you liked and what you didn't like and then you'll have a better idea what you want your boundaries to be and and that's part of the process and so anyone in that stage I, I encourage you and lift you up to you know that's that's part of it and that's okay and 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 it'll all come together like you said Haley um but yeah I think I having an ideal client in your pocket really makes it so much easier to communicate what's important for everybody. And, 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 you, and like I said earlier, you don't just have to say no, the answer can be yes. And, or yes, but, or sure. And here's how we're going to make that happen. And then you insert the, the parameters or the boundary, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I think it ties in a little bit with burnout. I don't think people really understand burnout until they've actually experienced uh -huh. it. Yeah. And it's one of those hard things because, you know, if you've experienced it, you want to talk about it. You're like, here's how to avoid it. You <laughs> this. But I feel like it's kind of like, you know, you're, you mentioned your mom told you all that stuff when you were 18. And I think it's kind of the same concept. You just really don't know until you've yeah. been there. 
Right. Um, and so I think people just don't realize that if they say yes to everything and they do the Saturday meetings and they take the 10 PM text messages and all that, eventually that's what it leads to. It's just, Oh out. yeah, totally. I like to say that I'm the biggest no person with the, with a yes attitude. I, I love saying no to things and, um, but I'm kind and nice and, and I don't ever, just, I'm not just saying no, like, no, I won't do that. That's just so negative. And, um, like, so for example, if a vendor reaches out and wants to have to take me to coffee, because as a planner, their idea is that they'll get to know me and I will recommend clients to them. Right. That's just, that's, that's their thought. So I can't just take every coffee meeting. I have to focus on my client work or, um, the time block that I have for, you know, building my business that that's, those are my priorities. And so sure, I will go to some of those lunches because I might research that vendor and realize, wow, this is a really good fit. I do want to get to know them. There are quite a few that really aren't even a good fit. And so my answer might be, you know, I am so grateful that you'd reach out and be interested. I'm flattered at this time. I'm only taking client meetings, but I'm going to be at such and such industry event on Thursday if you're going to be there, come find me, say hi, I'd love to meet you. And then that's that. I don't apologize. I don't say, sadly, I can't do this, or I wish I could. I'm so sorry. I just, I'm confident and I'm kind and I'm clear because when we apologize in our nose, we devalue our expertise. We're devaluing that we know something. We're, we're a part of the bigger picture here. Like back to the layout thing with the client at like, say a walkthrough, when I say no to putting a cake table in an area that's going to create congestion and then I apologize for it, I, I devalue the fact that I know better. I know that it can't go there if we're going to have a good flow for the day. Yeah. And let's, can we just dive a little deeper into that for a second? So, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier that no doesn't always have to be negative. Right. And you may not necessarily just say no because that's kind of a negative word and it has negative implications. So how do you turn that around? You know, how do you make it, especially with your clients, but you know, with other vendors too and colleagues, how do you make it a more positive thing? How do you keep it from, from being so negative? And especially how do you keep it from making you feel like you have to apologize or you have to, you know, come up with some other way to appease your client? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I have the best case study for that right now. Um, I am, I'm working with a client that is sweet as pie, but she has a lot of questions and there are questions that I've not experienced in my 10 years or so of doing corporate or social events. And so it's really kind of made me pause a little bit because I want to just get frustrated. Right. But that's not fair. Um, she's, she's not taking advantage of anything. She's so nice. It's just a unique situation. So I'm having to really practice this. And what I find is that I keep wanting to use passive language. Like, well, as I said, or like we talked about, or, um, again, that won't work. And I just have to, to pause for a minute and know that that doesn't get me anywhere. It's negative. And it's, it's kind of in line with that definition of insanity, right? Like if I'm just doing the same thing over and over, we're not going to get anywhere different. So I've had to like retract that, the idea of this like passive language and just ask her, like turn it on her and ask her questions. Okay, well, what do you think about this? Or like, 
can you tell me a little bit more about your concern on that? And when I ask her those things, I learn so much more. And then I realize sometimes the answer doesn't even have to be no. And I can come up with a new idea that would, would work. So a lot of times it comes down to me just immediately thinking there's a hard no about something when it doesn't have to be. And I think we sometimes as these industry experts or whatnot, are too quick to just assume those things as opposed to really unpack something and really um, learn more about their thoughts on it. So asking their idea and, and expanding on their concerns, really understanding it, what's on your plate right now. Also, I've been recruiting the other vendors on the team because my, frustra- my frustration level is high. And so yesterday we were working on the layout, for example, and I pulled in the venue manager, who's a dear friend. Um, and I just said, Hey, I need your help with this. And, and it just alleviated some of that. And it helped me avoid the negativity, right? Because now we have more people in, in the conversation. I'm being held accountable in a sense, you know, where I'm not going to be tacky to anybody because I'm just not. And so um, I'm not sure if I've clearly answered that question. I feel like I'm going more into some tools on maybe avoiding avoiding the no in the first place but as far as like actually making those things a positive thing i like to make clients think that it's their idea and maybe I, maybe i get to that tool or tactic by asking them more about their concerns and their why's and their i think it comes down to their why and then a lot of times yeah you can make them think it's their idea and you can remind them of their original visions and then they're like oh yeah, totally. That's what I want to do. And you never had to be the bad guy. They just through education, if that makes sense. So educating them on the pros and cons and just leading them to the right answer as opposed to straight up telling them and crushing their dreams. I love it. And I I like your answer to that too. I know you said you sort of felt like you didn't really answer the question, but I think you did because, you know, I grew up with my mom always saying, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think I like that idea of making them sort of unpack whatever is bothering them and sort of making them reflect on, you know, where the issue really lies. Right. Um, cause I think you're right. I think most of the time, and this goes for everybody, not just wedding planners. Cause I mean, if you're, you know, a B2B focused business, it still applies anytime you're working with other people. I think there's always more than what's right at the surface and more than yeah. what they're telling you. And so, you know, not having to say no, you sort of divert the problem. So right. I, I like your answer to that. I think it, it did answer the question. It was just not what everybody expected. Well, did. well, and the funny thing about it with this client, I've had so much practice on, I've almost like made it my mission to just you know, you, you, you see an email come in you're like, Oh, and then it's like, Nope, I'm going to be the nicest I can be. And it's just a, it's a, it's a choice, you know, it's a choice I have to make. And she tells me two to three times a week, how much she loves me and how helpful I am. And Haley, it could very easily have turned into a very tumultuous relationship. If I had not made that choice, you know, earlier this summer, I mean, I could see it having ended, having us having gone our own ways, me either firing her or, her just being frustrated, but it just, it comes down to making a choice, you know, and just, um, and deciding to, to do what's best for the client, even if that is taking a little bit extra mental energy on diverting them, like you said. Well, and I think sometimes when we've been in business for a long time, I think sometimes we forget 
on occasion that, you know, the person who hired us, it's probably their first time oh, yeah. hiring somebody in our position and weddings, especially, you know, yeah, there are people who may have two weddings or three weddings or whatever in their lifetime. But for the most part, if people are hiring a wedding planner, it's probably the first time they've worked with one. Yeah, totally. It's a rookie situation. And I have to remind myself of that. And, but it has been really neat to see this year where I have like, essentially without using the word no, as we've talked about, essentially put down my foot on a lot of things and she loves me. She absolutely loves me. And so I think that's another aspect of the whole give yourself permission conversation that people are worried about is that am I going to lose clients if I say I can't do a Saturday meeting or am I going to all those what ifs, right? Just try it. See what happens. The first no I set out into the world, no one flinched. They don't, they don't flinch. They need, people need structure. They need boundaries. They need expectations. And they, I think they operate better when having them because they understand a process and what's coming and they know it's, it just works better. They don't, I have, I've discovered and I giggle at the fact that like people don't flinch when I say no. So yeah, but it just takes doing it. Yeah. And I think people are more likely to, you know, kind of push your limits if they feel like you're not secure in those limits. You know, I mean, if you say, no, these are my office hours, this is how it works. Then they're like, oh, okay, that's great. But if you come in going, well, these are my office hours, but if you really need me, then I'm available, then you just sort of open that door for Mm -hmm. them to push it wide open. So Totally. With remodeling my house this year, my contractor, I feel like I've probably been the worst client. Like I would hate me if I (laughs) were this contractor, right? But I kind of like, I laugh with my husband. I'm like, I don't have it. I don't know what to expect because sometimes I'll get a text from them late at night. And so does that mean I'm allowed to text them or like, do I, there's never been any kind of like outline of any of that stuff. So I just kind of like, if I have a question, I just ask it, right? right? As opposed to knowing how this actually works. But had they given me an outline, I would totally, absolutely 100% follow it because I get it. I'm, a, I'm in the service industry. I'm not going to push buttons. I don't want pushed by my clients. And so, but, but yeah, I don't have any structure with this. So I just kind of, you know, just take it day by day. And I'm like, oh, they have to hate me. Like, I have to be so annoying, but I don't know what else to do. But I also don't like the feeling of that as a client of like, oh, am I annoying them? Is this okay to send this right now? I don't know. Like, that's weird territory. So that goes back to the whole, like saying no to something really means saying yes to other things. Like you're giving them boundaries and you're, or you're giving them structure. They feel better about it, you know? So yeah, I think not knowing is the worst part. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. I totally agree. So what would you rec- what would your advice be to somebody who maybe they've been in business for a while or, you know, maybe they just started their business, but they already have clients and they haven't been setting those boundaries, but they want to. Yeah. So how, how do you go about sort of changing yeah. that relationship once it's already started? Yeah. So I kind of have an unconventional, uh, answer here, or at least based on things that are talked about in the wedding industry a lot. I feel like most of what we hear is back to the whole, if you get a text at 9 PM, just don't respond to the next day, like those kind of tactics. But what I want to talk about is the whole confidence side. And so my biggest encouragement and advice is, um, work on and develop confidence because it really just comes down to that. 
and believing that you deserve to succeed and have work-life balance and trusting your abilities to succeed and, um, and, and trusting that you can have work-life balance. And so having confidence is, it's a weird and hard thing to teach, right? But I kind of, <laughs> as simple as it sounds, I think it comes down to just faking it, fake it till you make it. It may not feel, you may not feel totally confident in a moment, but if you can just do the action, going through those motions can really change how you feel. So for example, on the whole practice thing, do it, practice when nothing's at stake. So I don't know, next time you're at the grocery store, right? Just, and you hate small talk because you're just not a small talker or whatever. Just small talk at the cash register, just compliment the person's hair or whatever it is. Just go out on a limb in a way that there's nothing at stake. They are paid to be nice to you. You have nothing to lose. So just practice in those kinds of situations. And when you get a positive response, you're going to start to feel better about, about doing those kinds of things. And, and, you know, extending a compliment to someone is not the same as saying no to someone, but it's just as far as like doing things that are uncomfortable that can develop confidence. I think too, just like learning to make better eye contact. And the whole idea here is that make eye contact long enough to know what color eyes someone has, right? Um, don't be creepy, but just, do you ever notice the color of someone's eyes? Like those things, carrying yourself with strong posture and making eye contact and dressing your best, um, those kinds of things can really make you feel good about yourself. And it makes it easier to be um, a subject matter expert because you're just carrying yourself as if you are. I think, I think even, so networking can be an area in which confidence can be lacking for some people. And so my tip for networking that I share with people is wear a funky necklace or wear something that's a conversation starter or, or be sure to really skim over Instagram or a social media outlet before you go. Um, if, if you know who's going and get talking points, like notice that someone just got back from Hawaii. Those are such easy conversation starters and they can really, really develop confidence. And so I think just practice, um, practice is what helps us have the ability to say no um, in the long run. And I think the common boundaries that creatives and especially wedding planners should consider and should have are, are things like what does texting look like or emails um, outside of business hours and um, sending those expectations and processes at the beginning. Time blocking is huge. Maybe if you don't want to take evening meetings, at least have one or two evenings a month that you'll have available if that's helpful to your clients and you feel like maybe clients wouldn't book you otherwise. Make yourself human on social media or your blogs and schedule your calls. I, Haley, I schedule every call. I don't want people surprising me when I'm doing who knows what and don't have their notes in front of me. So scheduling calls and, but really at the end of the day, just like nipping any problem in the bud as soon as it happens and just having the confidence to do that. Those are really my, um, that was a big whole huge spiel of word vomit, that, but that's, that's where I really come home with this topic. No, it was so good. And I mean, just to, you know, make some of our listeners feel better who are probably working on this. Do you agree that it's just something that comes over time? It's not going to happen. It totally instantly. does. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I said earlier in the, you know, sometimes it takes being a doormat to know how to not be a doormat. And I mean, you <laughs> lose that too. Like you don't know you're burned out. You don't know what burnout is until you experience it. Like it takes, um, having some bad clients to know how to 
which ones you want and which ones you don't want and how to avoid them. So yeah, I think too, I'm going to take on another tiny bit of word vomit here, but another big thing with creatives is like our commitment, right? We're like our time. We're always asked to collaborate and and do things that are um, time intensive and, and that can be really beneficial in a lot of ways, but sometimes it's not. And so I really encourage people to also ask a lot of questions. So like, what's in it for me? Um, and don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad about being selfish. Like what's in it for me and what time does it start? What time does it end? What do I have to bring? What else do I have to ask? Does it involve traffic or parking? <laughs> like what yeah. is parking like? And you know, can I, if I accept this position, can I delegate certain aspects of it? You just understanding those types of things about your commitments can allow for a better idea on if you want to say yes or no, or if you want to negotiate what the commitment really is, you know, like, oh, I can do that, but this part of it is, is going to be a little too much for my bandwidth, you know? So having those kinds of open and honest conversations and people, people need that and respect that. And, and I don't, people don't want me to sign up for something and then I end up, you know, only doing like kind of half-hearting it. I need to, I need to give my full attention to it. So it only, it only hurts people when I say yes to things that I can't really do. Right. Well, and I, I started too. I can't take credit for this because I didn't come up with it, but a friend of mine does this and I started doing it and it has made all the difference in the world for me. But at the end of every single work day, I sit down and I say, okay, what took up the most time today? Uh-huh. And sometimes it's crazy when you realize what you spent all day doing. And, and, you know, she told me she does this and then she'll ask herself, okay, am I okay with what took up all of that time? And if the answer is no, then how do we move forward making sure that that doesn't take up any more of my time? Yeah. And I love that. It really works. And it's, you know, five minutes at the end of the day to say, okay, what did I do today? What took up the most time? Am I okay with that? And I think just that little bit of reflection on your day can make all of the difference in what you're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. You can just see where you spend your time and there's nothing worse than you're like, you have an entire day blocked for like content creation or whatever. And then you look up at five o'clock and you're like, what have I done? Oh, like I haven't not moved. Exactly. No, exactly. This was such a good conversation. I think our listeners are absolutely going to love it. I know I did. So I have a little speed round for you. If you're ready, just something we like to ask everybody at the end of each episode. (laughs) So what is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh my gosh. Like everybody, I probably, I look at my phone. I look at my phone. I do. Yep. Same, same. So bad. I have every intention of like, I will wake up and like have, I'll like do gratitudes or prayer and like, a lot of times I do actually, but I mean, my phone is like for sure up there. (laughs) Yeah. It's right there. How can you not? Well, I mean, I have to turn my sound machine off, so I have to touch the phone first, Haley. Exactly. <laughs> you have to. There's nothing you can do. Yep. So what is your go-to snack during the workday? Oh, cheese, pepperonis, I, uh, car- anything carb, <laughs> cheese. <laughs> I'm like, where? I'm like, oh, the toddlers aren't home. I'm going to grab their cheese sticks. <laughs> oh, that is my kind of answer. I love yeah. it. Wait, I'm constantly getting these really healthy answers and I am just, I'm not a healthy eater. I'm just not. And I'm working on it, but I'm not. And so everybody's like, oh, these really healthy snacks. And I'm like, is anybody eating carbs? Like, is anybody doing that? (laughs) 
Um, I am. So yeah, you can feel better about that. Mm -hmm. I love it. What is one item that you absolutely cannot live without? Ooh, that's a really hard one. You stumped me. And I even, uh, having listened to your episodes, I knew this one was coming, but (laughs) um, I'm going to get mushy and I'm going to say, I'm going to break the rules. It's not an item, but it's it's my family. I just really, and that's why boundaries are so important to me. I just love my family. That's a good answer. I'll take it. It's a good answer. Okay. Thanks. I love it. And what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, so many good things that could come out right now, but I think what, uh, comes to mind is, um, when you're, when you're doing something and you're, when you're working, put, put your all into it. And, um, I think that can be hard because we can feel spread thin, like, oh, I can't give 100% to everything. But um, I think just the attitude behind it, just give it your all. Yeah, I love that. And where can everybody find you? Social media, website? Yeah. So my wedding planning company is at Heavenly Day Events um, on Instagram. And then our, um, the Refine for Wedding Planners, um, if you are a wedding planner, you can hop on. I mean, anyone can join our Instagram, Refine for Wedding Planners. And that's a new Instagram. We started that this summer, so it needs some love. But you can also, through that Instagram or through our website, refineforweddingplanners.com, um, you can click through links to find our closed Facebook group that is private and exclusive for wedding planners. And the importance of that is that it's really, it's the largest group of wedding planners out there that are having the types of conversations that we are having. And Haley, you're in this group, so you can attest to this. The conversations, I mean, God, what I wouldn't have given for something like this when I was starting a company. You ask yes. a question, it is answered. And just the support and um, encouragement and growth through conversations in that group are, are pretty life-giving. So if you're a wedding planner, come find us over there and um, we'll be glad to love on you and support you. Yeah, it's definitely an awesome group. And it's even just looking through the questions that have already been asked, because odds are somebody oh, has yeah. had the same question as you. Yeah, totally. Um, there, there are plenty of times that I um, am still sorting through. I mean, you do events for years and years and years, and you still have first for everything, right? And Absolutely. There are times that I'm still searching stuff like, oh, I know we've talked about this before, and you just get a new spin on it. So, totally. Yeah. Well, Amber, thank you so much. This was such a good conversation and I'm really excited for everybody to hear it because I think it's, it's definitely a conversation that isn't happening often enough in the industry. Yeah, I hope, I hope we get there. I think people are, are hungry for it. I think they're just, people are tired and, and clients are more and more demanding and it's time that we as creatives um, or service providers really kind of take back the authority or what, for lack of better terms, the power or whatever from consumers. Like it's just not okay to treat people the way we're being treated. So thank you so much for having me. I just, I love this topic and I hope that, like I said at the beginning, that it just tees some people up for a little bit more freedom in their life. That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter, 
or following along on Instagram. You can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.